RadioInfluence.com. Hey guys, welcome into the A Place for My Head podcast. He's Brandon Thompson. My name is Jerry P. Fuck. It's been a long week in my world. Uh, Brandon, how about you? Same. Slow. Like, keep your head straight. Try to stay positive. Try to not let all the all the crazy things that are going on around us and, t- and trying to take us down, basically. You know, uh, we're on an upswing with no, I said downswing with COVID and the state of Florida where, where both you and I reside, yeah. which is deeply depressing and deeply confusing because the numbers are higher now than they were when we were super, super restricted and told to stay home and everything was closed. Now, everything's kind of yeah, sort of open and they're kind of confused. taking steps back. Yeah, kind of confused as to what to proceed and what message to give Americans and and man, it's just different. Like yeah. it's just it's just it's something. I'm you know I'm pushing forty. It's different. There's you know I think of like the last thing that was super super dramatic in our lives that can amount to no, I shouldn't even say amount to, but I, I just want to relate it to. I guess is like nine eleven, like that. 9-11 like crippled America as a whole. And I feel like this is crippling America in a different way. Oh, so you um, might be, you might be a little young. I mean, I say that as I'm only three years older than you, but you know, uh, this whole COVID thing. I know who me- Scooby-Doo is. <laughs> I know who Scooby-Doo is. Don't make me offer you Scooby snacks. Oh bits. God. It's so funny. <laughs> you say that because uh, my wife and I have a running joke because she's your age. I'm a few years older than her. And I don't. I made a reference to Funkin' Wagnalls one day, and she looks at me and goes, "What the hell is that?" Uh, well, yeah, what the hell is that? Are you, are you sure you're not talking about Fraggle Rocks? No, Funkin' Wagnall, like the encyclopedia. You've you don't know either. No. Oh God damn it! I hate all of you. Are you wait, wait. Is it a? Is it the encyclopedia people that would go door to door and you would sell them? Yeah, probably. But there, there was an encyclopedia set called Funk and Wagnall. I'm pretty sure I know what you're talking about. I don't. Re- I don't recall the name. See, there are these remember- things that have pa- uh, pages in them called books. Books. You know, and before the internet. Always- <laughs> well, you know, before the internet came along, we had to read books. No, man. I know. I, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> I always go to the body, the body anatomy pages in the encyclopedia. The ones that had those clear sheets that you could like. You fold one over and it was like bones and you fold the other and it starts showing like showing cartilage and tissue. Then you fold the other one over and adds muscles, then organs, then the human body. So if that's what you're talking about, if not, I'm really embarrassed. <laughs> and I'm really old, so it's OK. <laughs> no, so, so we have this running joke ever since then that when I reference something older than she gets, it, it's a funkin' wagnall. So we were joking earlier this afternoon and, and I'll get into my afternoon later because it's fairly amusing. But. Uh, you know, I, I, I st- we referenced something and I started singing the song Just a Gigolo. Do you know that song? Or is that too old for you, too? Um, I know the word gigolo. Oh, God damn it. I hate both of them. <laughs> That's this week's show, people. Screw off, everybody. I'm done. It's an Adam Sandler <laughs> film, right? Is it in that movie? No, no, dude. The, the... <sighs> Shit, man. That's two strikes, right? Two strikes. That, that was my head hitting my microphone. I heard it. I heard it twice. So there's an old song called Just a Gigolo. 
and it's been around forever, and it was redone by David Lee Roth in the 80s. She had no clue what the hell I was talking about. Where are we going with this? Why am I even talking about this? I don't, I don't know. know, but David Lee Roth, like in Van Halen or outside of Van Halen? Outside of Van Halen. Who knows what he did outside of Van Halen? Nobody really cared. Huh? <laughs> Anyways, that, <laughs> where are we going with this? Anyways. How did this happen? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Anyways. Let's hop into the show. We want to thank Aaron Stevens again for last week. Aaron has been awesome, by the way. Uh, I, I really hope you guys enjoyed that conversation because I know Brandon and I did. Um, and, and it's funny because I, I joked on Twitter when I, when I posted about the show that, you know, I think it's the beginning of a beautiful friendship. And he and I have been texting back and forth just about every day since the interview. He is such a good dude. For sure. I mean, you can hear uh the genuineness in his voice and his storytelling and just uh just a good 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 human being all around and in the beginning of the show you know it was all wrestling and and career uh ups and downs this that and the other which was hard for me to keep up because i'm not a wrestling buff right and, and uh, you know and you and i talked about it and, and i kind of explained that my why i did that was to set up to where he was at now Right, so I, right, and I know right. I know a lot of the people that listen to the podcast may not be wrestling fans, but you know that's that's kind of where I was I was trying to set it up because I, I knew his story well. And but um, but it but it but it segued so beautifully into yeah. the later the later half or latter half, however you want to uh, pronounce it, of of the episode where he just he just came out of the show like bam, and he. We are, we, I mean, I feel honored and privileged that he opened up as much as he did and shared things about himself that he, he he's never spoken about publicly or within like some circles of friends. I'm sure he's talked to some people. We don't know that, uh, you know, he didn't get specificities, but um, nonetheless, man. I'm grateful that we were a part of that uh, that moment, man, because it was very strong. And anybody that can resonate with what he said, what we said, uh, or are fans of him that didn't know that, man, that's impactful. Man, that's why we do this show. Well, yeah, he he texts me. He goes, "Hey, man, that was a great interview." And I stop. I cut him off. I said, "Dude, we don't do interviews. We do conversations." Yeah. And Precise. he just, and he just answered back. He chuckled and went. I can see that. I dig that. <laughs> and I just started laughing. But, you know, something that, that he talked about, and I, I swear, I, when, when he was telling his story there at the end, you know, talking about glass ceilings and, you know, knowing that he was in a, a, a no-win situation, that he finally reached a point where it was like, look, there's nothing I can do to fix this. I, I felt like I was having a conversation with myself because, right. you know, and, and I kind of alluded to this and didn't get into it much during the interview, but you know, I've talked about it here before, you know, career wise and, and radio wise where I was and, and how I was feeling. And, you know, that's kind of exactly the same situation I was in. And, you know, he was talking about self doubt and he, anybody that knows me will tell you that I am my own worst enemy because, you know, I, it's, and it's not that I doubt my skills. I, I don't doubt my skills. I know I'm very good at what I do. It's everything else. No, no, I get it. And, and I'm, I'm pretty much the same because it resonates with my career and stuff. Right. So you're your own worst enemy. I'm my own worst critic, but it's all applied the same way. So like 
my latest career uh, before the barbershop and stuff like that, you know, I, I, I felt inside that, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm 150% kicking ass right now, but the downfall for me, like him, um, was that one person, right? Right. It's like, I was catering to one person, you know, whatever that one person wanted, whatever they were looking for or whatever they needed. If I wasn't doing it, you know, it's not, it's not good enough for them or it's not, uh, there's no place in, in, in the industry for that. And I, that's what I related to very much. So, because, you know, I, I, I feel like I, I could have given 2000% and you know what, that, that may, or was not good enough. Right. And I kind of, I kind of related to his story behind that. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, you know, he was talking about, you know, for lack of a better term, the office politics that go on. And, you know, I, I fell victim to that because the, you know, people, I, I'm the biggest team player there is. And, and anybody that's ever worked with me will tell you that. And I'll sacrifice myself and fall on the sword in a heartbeat to protect somebody else. And, you know, the, the situation I was in, my last radio job, my immediate supervisor knew that and he mm -hmm. knew how to manipulate things. And, mm -hmm. you know, and, and again, I don't want to blame him because I'm the one that ultimately put myself in that situation in that position, but he knew how to push those buttons and, you know, how to, how to work my head. Cause he knew I, the self doubt issues I had already. Yeah. You know, he, he, he was a master manipulator and, and God bless him. He's doing, I, I guess he's doing well now, whatever, but uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, ended up hurt over the stuff that he did. Yeah. And he and he knew that I was going to try to fix it, even though I was going to fall on the sword ultimately anyways. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course. Likewise, likewise experience. I mean, I wanted to fall on every sword I possibly could for either my team or any other surroundings. You know, that's just kind of how I am or who I am. Um, but in the end you know, falling on that sword and doing everything you think is right and not wrong can bite you in the ass in certain situations. And you know what? It's all right, man. It's out of your control. Well, uh, the, the self doubt thing though. Um, yes. Yes. I, I want to dive in. Yeah. I, I want to dive into that a little bit because, you know, I think it's something we can both speak from experience on. And <laughs> I, I'm going to tell you a story about how I, I, I sabotage myself. Okay, so I'm going to say, I guess it was probably 16, 17 years ago, I guess. Um, for those that don't know, um, before I got sick in 2007, and I've talked about it a little bit, I, you know, I was a singer, uh, did a lot of, you know, country, southern rock, blues, that kind of stuff. Uh, was at a surprise birthday party for a friend of mine, and I I'm looking at this guy across the room. And he's there with his wife. And I'm just studying this guy all evening long. And I'm like, I know who he is. I can't place it, but I know who he is. And lo and behold, the guy's name was Brad Warren. Now, that may not resonate much with a lot of people, but Brad Warren is one half of the country band, the country group, the Warren Brothers. The Warren Brothers grew up in the Tampa Bay area, actually about five miles from where I'm sitting right now. Um, and they ultimately ended up the main songwriters for Tim McGraw and Faith Hill. Pretty good gig. Yeah. So, I think. yeah. So, and I'm looking at this guy and I'm studying him and I'm like, I know him. I know him. Why can't I place it? So a buddy of mine grabs me by the neck and goes, come on, we're, go we're leaving. We're, we're, 
going out drinking. We're going to a karaoke bar. Like, okay. Well, we get there, get a few drinks in me, and my buddy goes, hey, you sing. Get up there and sing. Well, the rest of the night, Brad Warren and I entertained the bar. And we got done. Oh, it was it was it was awesome. It's like one of my my favorite nights ever. We get done. He looks at me, gives me his personal cell number and goes, when you're ready, you call me. I said, I said, we can do we. You know, he's like, we can do this. Do you think I ever called him? No, I don't. Of course not. It's not because I don't. It's not because I don't think that you wanted to call him. I think your sickness got in the way of it. Self-doubt. I'm not good enough. See, I can relate to that, right? So uh, I'd say it's the same thing, but mine was more so out of fear. So like I'm a, I'm, I'm a person that, that uh, advocates uh, positive reinforcement because I shut down when I'm treated in an environment of negative reinforcement. I don't like it. I, 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 I feel it's uh it just, it doesn't work. Right. Um, it's not, it's not a good tactic and it's just not the way it's not the right approach in a business atmosphere uh, at work. Um, so for me, and I'll divulge like a short story, I guess with kind of vague, but you know, I was part of a gigantic situation where I got a promotion at one point and, um, I had someone above me that was, uh, you know, we'll just say super intimidating. And I was fearful of him. I mean, let's be honest. I was genuinely fearful of this person. And um, a couple of things went wrong on uh, on an event, you know, like a, like a, like an outing, if you will. And when they went wrong, you know, I my first reaction was, oh, shit fuck, I'm in trouble. What do I need to do? What can I do to fix and diffuse the situation so I don't get reprimanded, in trouble, yelled at, thrown shit at, whatever, right? Um, But it backfired on me, you know, because as hard as I tried to prevent all that and make things good, it made it look like I dropped the ball on my staff. So, um, you know, that inevitably, uh, kind of bit me in the ass in the long run and, you know, led to a bit of a demise and a bit of a challenge to, you know, navigate, uh, other things moving forward in my career. So thank God he's given me an opportunity to get out of that and start a new business, like a barber shop that, uh, I can control that environment and type of people and manage people, not as a boss, right? not as a boss, but a manager and a voice that wants to hear the other voices. So um, as much as that was crippling to me, because there are things that I know wholeheartedly that were never my fault and were never my doing and my actions were done by... They were, what what am I trying to say? They, they were like, it was a, it was a cause and effect kind of thing. So Mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't really determine like, Hey, I'm going to do this right now because of this. But it was like, this is happening. How do I react? How do I react? What do I do? But it didn't matter what I did because everything was wrong. Anything could be used against me. So, um, I'm very happy to be out of that situation, to be honest. But, uh, but yeah, man, it was, it was fear. So you self-doubt. Mm-hmm. Me, so you, 
Yeah. So I worked every single day in fear. Right. Fear of just don't fuck up. Don't do something wrong. Make sure you're doing it the way that this person does. Make sure this, make sure that. But the second something happens, whether it's your fault or not, mm-hmm. it always lays on your shoulders. So it's a, it's a, it's a wicked weird ass game that, 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 uh, we, uh, <laughs> a playground, if you will, that we have to play in and not push too hard on the swing set and not, uh, not get overweighted on one side of the teeter totter, if you will. It's right. fucked up, man. Well, yeah. And, and that piggybacks, you know, Aaron's story last week about playing to the audience of one and, and eventually realizing that it doesn't matter what he did nope. or what he does or what he accomplishes or all of the good that he does. It's going to fall on deaf ears. Yep. Because and there's a, there's a, there's an agenda. Exactly. Behind. There's always an agenda someone like Aaron myself doesn't know about or knows about. And no matter what he or I would have done, the agenda is the top priority and whatever it takes to get that agenda accomplished, whether I get squashed, he gets squashed, we get promoted, we get, he gets promoted or he gets the superstar mode. The agenda is what's at hand. That's, that's the, the, the mother goose, if you will, the goose egg from Willy Wonka. I mean, that's it. And if you're not a part of that little goose egg, Fuck off. Right. And you're in my you're in my way at that point. Right. And, you know, to take that one step further into the self-doubt thing, you know, I've always struggled with that. And I I've never found anything that could turn my brain off. And and that's, you know, one of my biggest downfalls is, you know, I don't think I do anything right. I don't think I do anything good enough. And, you know, and I've said it before on, on, on here, I've never felt like I belonged, you know, in, in groups or, or this or that or the other, you know, because of that self-doubt. I've just never felt I was good enough. And I don't know. And, and you know, I turned 42 last week and I have no idea after 42 years how the hell to turn my brain off. No, oh, and and I, I completely relate because when I was in the corporate world, I'm like, you know, most people know I'm I'm I'm, I'm tattooed as fuck. Um, everywhere. So I overcompensated uh, for my appearance. So I would, I wouldn't wear a suit every single day. Um, but I, and, and I lost the tie, but I wear a sport coat, nice button up, some good slacks, some nice shoes, make myself look good. Everybody comment. Oh, you look sharp. Blah, 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 blah. Like, like why are you dressed? Why, why do you like, what are you, what are you trying to do? And I'm like, nothing. I just like to, you know, I just like to look good kind of thing. I like to dress nice. Uh, but I was overcompensating for my tattoos. I took out all my piercings, um, my gauged ears. I've, I've, I let them shrink down as far as they can shrink. Um, and they'll never go down any farther unless I get surgery. But it was, I had to overcompensate for my appearance throughout my entire career because of, of how I wanted to express myself when I'm not working, uh, which is more important to me. But regardless, it's like you have people that are like, why the, why the, why is he fucking dressing up so much? Like, who's he trying to, who's he trying to impress? Like, really? You know, it's like that shit that goes on, like behind closed doors and behind your back and, and all that stuff that kind of mentally just destroys you. And it's like, bitch or someone or whomever. It's like, I'm just doing my thing. What, what, what the fuck do you care? 
Um, but that takes you down, man. It wears on you and wears on you and creates that self-doubt thing. So then you're like, well, fuck, I'm just going to show the work sloppy. And then that gets taken out of context and they start to judge and say things about you in that sense. So oh, yeah, no, it's it, never ending. <laughs> yeah. You and I, you and I kind of manage the same way, but took a different approach because right. I, I would purposely dress down and you know, I, I, it's a running joke with, with Jason Floyd, my business partner. Now, if I show up somewhere in a pair of jeans or long pants, it's game on motherfucker. <laughs> It's a business meeting at that point. Oh, if Pete talks in, in long pants, game on. Because I, <laughs> we live in Florida, you know, dressing dressing up in Florida is, you know, cargo shorts and flip-flops. I mean, it, people that don't live in Florida don't understand that we have, you know, different sets of flip-flops. We have our our Sunday best. You know, we have our going out on the weekend flip-flops. We have our, you know, go to work. flip. That, that's just how I work, you know, and I, I was blessed to be in a, a situation in a job where I could get away with dressing like that. But, you know, I, I well, part of what did me in was the relationship that my staff had with me because they knew that I wouldn't ask them to do something that I wouldn't do myself. And, or with them or for them. Well, exactly. And I had no problem getting in the studio and get my hands dirty. I got off on it, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. something as simple as. And you know what this is. A lot of people may not, but just something as simple as a board shift, you know? Oh yeah. I'd schedule myself a board shift once in a while just to get in the studio and play around, you know? And, and you know, the people that I, that worked, I I don't want to say worked for me because that's not the right way to put it. Cause I never looked at it like that, but the people that worked with me, you know, I had an open door, you know, and maybe I was too friendly with them could be, but I had their respect. Yeah. And they knew that, you know, if I said, look, you know, friendship aside, we got to talk business for a few minutes. I could do that and get away with it, with the, with, with the group that I had. And I think the person that was ahead of me uh, on the totem pole, truthfully, I think he felt threatened by it. And I, that's when, you know, the manipulations and, and the political BS and that kind of crap started. Yeah. And that was my downfall because no one on the staff respected the guy and he knew that, but he also knew that they respected me and I had their best interest at heart. Yep. That's office politics and people thinking you're doing things wrong because of how they would do them instead. Right. And that turns into, he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. You don't know what he's doing. And just oh. like, yeah. And just like you said, it turned into no matter what I did or what I could do, it wasn't right. And you you could slave yourself. I was do the best job that you could possibly do, create the most amazing results, get the most praise that you could possibly get. And this is like months and months, years and years. And all of a sudden something happens and it's like, oh, this guy's completely shit. Oh, yeah. He's he's shit. He's shit. shit. I would literally spend weekends in my office. I would sleep in my office. But I, I get it. It didn't matter because I was doomed. Yeah. No, I get it. I get it. Yeah. So, you know, when we talk about the mental health side of things, just like, you know, Aaron talked about last week, it takes a toll on you because, Mm -hmm. you know, just like with him, you know, I was going through all of the same self doubts. I was, I was doubting my skills. I was doubting everything and it didn't matter what I did. I know. I like, I look, I'm, I'm music. Music is like my life. Right. So just like you sing and all that kind of stuff, I do this, I, I sing as well and, and all that. And, but, 
but music and multi multicultural music. I like a lot of everything. Um, and not, and, and I'm not throwing out Marilyn Manson because I'm trying to force Marilyn Manson on people, but a good story about him, uh, whatever people perceive of him, like push that aside for a second and just listen to this, but his most successful record album that he did, um, he was so depressed and sad and about to give up in the studio that he he took the microphone and literally pulled it to his face and said, this is the war. This is the worst moment of my entire life. And that song turned into tourniquet off. Mm. I think his best album, uh, Antichrist Superstar. But what it what happened is, is he leaned into the mic, like I said before, pulled it in and recorded this was this is the worst moment of my life and then took that and reversed it so the beginning almost like you're watching like an adam sandler film where um you got little nicky replaying in backwards chicago and it's like going to hell and stuff like that he reversed his his sentence and that's the intro to the song tourniquet wow yeah I didn't yeah. know that. That's crazy. I, I I mean, look, and and everybody's got their opinions about Marilyn Manson and stuff like that. And I'm this is not the this is not the platform to go into him and everything else that goes around him and what he's about and his backstory. But damn, man, I've read bi- biographies on him just to understand him better, and it's pretty damn interesting. But to find out because when you hear Tourniquet. In the beginning, it just it sounds like and then it goes into the song. You're like, what the fuck was that? But you think it's just like a sound effects or programming. But it was him saying that in reverse. Wow. And that's how they started the song. So. So that's I mean, kind of like Marilyn Manson's Paul is dead thing that the Beatles had back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. 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 Sort of. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Wow. Um, but it was it, it's cool to know that, like, again, successful artist right musician had had one of those moments where it's like self-doubt fuck like this it's over this is like the worst i've ever been or you you know being in the same situation radio me being in my career being like yelled at or something like that and it, it you know you've done so good but that shit doesn't matter and all of a sudden you're like looking at 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 the forefront of 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 doom day and you're like I, I, I did everything I could. I, I pretty much gave every ounce of myself, blood, sweat, and tears and nothing, nothing's working. You know, I don't, I don't, we're not dumb people. I feel like we're very smart people and we're masters of our crafts and it shows in other things outside of the bullshit. But like Aaron, he, 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 he made it. Like he did make it. Mm-hmm. We can't, we can't count that out. He didn't make it just because number one didn't like him or didn't feel like he had a spot or anything like that. He still made it. And the most important thing is he, he walked away from that knowing that it was what it was and it was out of his control and he made the rest of his career work and, yeah. and, and be successful and be a good person and do the right things. And that's what drives us, man. That's what makes the world go around. That's what makes the people around us 
love us and that's why we love them. Yeah. And, you know, that's the old cliche of, well, I had to go there for me to get here. And, you know, <clears throat> Aaron, sorry, I'm clearing my throat. I apologize. Um, <clears throat> you know, Aaron. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's, it's been sorry. a week. So <laughs> whatever. Um, you know, Aaron, you know, was so what, what's the word? Honest. He, he lo- Well, no, he, he, he lost his love for what he had done. For his entire life, so much so he had to get out of it for a couple of years. Dude, it's the same with you, man. You were you were an aspiring aspiring like singer, like no doubt. Like you were on your way doing incredible things, and then you got sick, and all that stuff had to take a take a pause and get put on the back burner. But not just put on the back burner, but it kind of burnt. It derailed all never, of it. Right. It never fruitioned into anything that you really wanted it to. Um, and I feel like that happens to so many people that are in similar situations and it doesn't have to be about being sick or uh, it, it, it's everything being fired, being, you know, let go, being um, beat up, being broken up with being just take, just taken down. I mean, you know, assaulted or shot. I mean, I, I'm just saying like, there's so many different things that can, deter our our goals um and our ambitions in life and it's hard to recover from any and all of that stuff and continue on with our ambitions because their your ambitions get kind of kind of pushed down to the ground and subsided and become less of a priority and the other stuff is more of a priority. It's like, how do I get out of this funk? How do I get out of my bed? How do I approach people? How do I get back into my, it's almost like working out, right? Like with COVID, the gym's closing and shit like that. And everybody like gained weight and all this kind of stuff. And I talk about it a lot just because I did, but I'm determined to get back to where I was, but it's hard. It's hard to break that cycle because it takes like, 30 days to develop a habit and it takes 30 days to break a habit. Um, COVID's lasted a very long time, very long time. So people are kind of set in their ways. And unless they have the, the strength or determination to get back into their old routine, the other ones that don't have that mental strength, they're kind of just sitting like it's COVID again and quarantine again. And they're trying, but they don't know how to. So it takes a bit of confidence that might not be there. And that's unfortunate, man. That's really unfortunate that this whole situation has put us in, a, in an awkward position um, with with all events being canceled, all concerts and shows. And uh, I mean, shit, Cirque du Soleil just went bankrupt. Yeah. And when we just were talking before we recorded that they've now closed Broadway down for the rest of the year, too. Precisely. And I'm going, I'm driving down the street on the uh, street on the way to my shop. And I look to my left and I see pier one imports. Yeah. They've gone bankrupt. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, damn, 400 plus uh, Starbucks between Canada and here closed. Mm -hmm. Like that's Starbucks. I mean, that's like people in America need Starbucks. Like they also need water. (laughs) Starbucks is my one vice in this world. See anybody that knows me knows I, I can't survive my day unless I have my iced coffee. <laughs> and I get it. I, I get we, it. I get we, it. uh, <laughs> it was funny. Um, 
one of the the radio slash podcasting publications, um, they do a feature called 10 Questions With. And I guess they were hard up for people to talk to because they asked me to participate in it. And one of the questions was, what's something you can't get through one day without? And my answer was Starbucks iced coffee. And now thanks to this question, I'm sleeping on the sofa for the rest of the week. Thank you. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was supposed to be your wife. I'm like, See, yeah, I, that's I not going to go I over well. safe and say my daughter. But you don't, you don't have kids. So I'd be like, oh, Sadie. My wife would be like, you know, you're lucky you said her, not me. Because that's also an appropriate <laughs> Yeah, I went all in on the coffee. So I'm sorry you were saying. <laughs> it's like, babe, listen to it. You're taking it out of context. They didn't ask, like, literally everything in the day. They were just saying, like, how do you get through your day? She's like, Rita going, wow, these are really great answers. You did. What the <laughs> hell? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. If my wife was asked the same thing, she would have said like a like a, a uh, an ice like heavy ice extra ice diet coke from McDonald's, and I would not have gotten mad at her. So, all right, you know what? Screw this. Uh, let's go. Let's go off topic. Why the hell does soda taste better at McDonald's than somewhere else? They have their own recipe, but it's the same Coke. No, 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 no. McDonald's has their own recipe with Coca Cola. Period. They put so crack. They when, put crack in the Coke. Well, I mean, that's how Coca Cola started. I mean, I, 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 was it used to me? That's a green shot. Where they tweeted, "Hey, times are rough. Let's put Coke back into Coke." <laughs> I mean, that, that's <laughs> that's how it, it wasn't me, but that's funny. There was, there was Coca-Cola and Coca Cola. <laughs> that's how it started. That's how it got addictive. Um, but yeah, no, McDonald's has their own like syrup blend of all their products. So when you go there, dude, it's the same thing. You, no one can tell me this is not true. You can go to McDonald's and get a, get in like a, you know, a, a fountain soda, right? And it tastes different. Uh, then you go to a gas station, tastes different. But when you go to a ballpark, oh. when you go to a ballpark and you get a Coca-Cola, it doesn't matter, in a hot dog. There's that, nothing better than a ballpark hot dog. You can't get that taste. The first time else, but a ballpark, the first time my wife hated sports before I came into the, into her world. I mean, she just totally didn't get it. And the first time I ever took her to a, a, a baseball game, I said, you've got to have a hot dog. And she's like, no, 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 no. I'm like, no, you've got, yes, you've, yes, trust yes. me. She ate that damn dog. She goes, when can we go back for more? Can we, exactly. can we go? It's like, like, honey, you, you don't have to, have, don't have to have the foot long. Just take the regular one and, and just, Go. So many punchlines to what you just said that I'm letting go. I'm going to let, I'm going to, I'm not even going to go there either because <laughs> we're talking about our wives a little exactly. bit. But it's like, go, just do it. Just, oh, you like it. Okay. Next time we'll give you the foot long. <gasps> nope. Um, so anyways, back to what we were talking about. <laughs> you and I are both going to end up divorced by the time this podcast is over. You know that, right? <laughs> I've, I love my voice. <laughs> Oh, God. But you know what? It leads into the events, man. It's sad because, you know, baseball is supposed to be happening right now, right? Yeah. Not. Now well, we have. Hopefully, hopefully okay. they're they're starting back up in a couple of weeks. So that's what I read. And let's hope it happens. I mean, I'll believe it when I see it. I'll, I'll, like, and I've got a, you know, I've got a lot of people that I've talked to that have said the same thing. So yeah. we'll see. And we have August coming up. So the very first grand slam in tennis is going to be on schedule to play at Arthur Ashe in New York city, mm -hmm. uh, more or less Queens. Um, 
with no spectators. But nonetheless, it's going to start. I mean, and that begs the question, football, but without getting into sports and stuff like that, I mean, uh, you, you have, I just say without getting into sports, but you have tennis players that feed off crowds, right? you know, um, and they use that because it's an emotional uh, sport and it's, you're, you're out there by yourself. So you have to, you know, feed off of everything around you. Um, it, it's going to make it different, but it also comes into play with, all the other events that happen in our communities and around the nation, you know, like uh, this month being pride, right? Mm-hmm. Pride month. Um, so like here where I live in St. Pete, where my, where my barbershop is, uh, we're in the edge district and uh, we're very much supported of the, of, of, you know, hashtag happy pride, if you will. And, and, and all that stuff that goes around with it. And they, I mean, in the era, it's one of the biggest uh, communities that have a pride parade and that got canceled. Right. Mm -hmm. And so some of my surrounding businesses decided to get together, come together and figure out a way to just not let pride go for the year and try to do something just to get, just to, just to make it happen for the community and the people that wanted to participate in it so bad. Um, so we did an event over the weekend on Saturday and granted that's when all the new, that's when all the new cases of COVID came in. So everybody's really scared to go out in public, especially in large amounts of people. So it wasn't the most successful thing you could ever imagine. Plus I'm not even open, but I participated, you know, I made, I made shirts, um, brought stickers, brought beard oils and brought, pomade products for hair and all that kind of stuff that you would get at a barbershop. But literally like our shirts had my logo on the front um, machine shop barber company. And it was a rainbow. It was the same logo, but it was just a rainbow color. And then on the back it said, love is love. And then all everybody that attended my section, uh, my booth that I had in front of the shop, you know, wore that and then had a rainbow mask uh, because we all had to wear a mask at, at this point. It's mandatory right. when you're in public situations. Um, and, you know, it's all pride, 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 pride. But prior to that, and I guess it's kind of a segue, but prior to that, I went and picked up lunch for my daughter, wife and the staff that, were, that was working the event with me. And I went into a grocery store wearing everything that I was wearing to the pride event. And man, <laughs> the looks I got, because when you're in, wait, I almost said the name of the store, but when you're in the grocery store and you're surrounded by people that are just trying to shop and they're not wearing theme masks or they're just wearing masks that they have, that they have to wear and regular clothes, this, that, and the other, and they're not full blown, like almost in a uniform. If that makes sense. Uh, I got some looks, I got some looks that I've never gotten before. And it was, it was super disturbing to me because I'm tattooed as hell. I've said this a million times and I get those looks when I go in and I'm wearing short sleeves and short shirt, short, (laughs) (laughs) Daisy Dukes, you know, right? No, just wearing shorts in a short sleeve. That's a visual I didn't need, by the way. <laughs> Jeez. Um, I get those looks 
but those looks are looks of disappointment. Um, you know, not to name the people that I feel that kind of judge me when, when they're looking at me and stuff like that, but it's always like a look of disappointment. Like, why did you do this to your body? What, mm. why did you, why did you do this? Like this, you're now imperfect. Like what, why did you do this? So, but this was a different look. The, the looks that I were getting were, weren't disappointment. It was attack. It was, it was furious. If anything, um, let alone I had a, maybe, maybe I had a black lives matter scarf, or maybe that was my mask with the pride. I mean, I can't even imagine what that would look like. Um, and not to mention to solidify this, to make it real. Um, I took a photo of my storefront of the barbershop. You know, I have the, I have the pride flags at two of them soaring in the wind looked amazing. I posted it and we all know about the love hate uh, for social media, but there are several people that deleted me after I posted that. And I'm like, really? It takes, it takes me caring about people that love each other, whether I'm into it, believe it or not, but I'm supportive of that lifestyle. You're going to put that on me and be like, well, fuck this guy. Delete. Right. First of all, I don't give a shit. Good written to that point. Um, but it's almost political. Like people post political things and people are getting divorced over who they vote for and whatever. But really? Are you that are you that I'm sorry, but immature and not and not educated enough to understand what this is really about? That you're sitting there behind your computer and your beliefs and you don't like that thing and you're like, well, screw this guy. But what, how do we get, get connected anyway? It doesn't matter. The The ignorance in this country is disappointing right now. Wow. I, I, don't, I don't even know what to say to that because I, I, the, it's surprising, but not surprising all at the same time. Does that make sense? Of course. I mean, it, it's it's almost to the point to where it's expected now that, that you're going to get looked at. Yes. Like <laughs> expected. Yeah. And, and it's it's ridiculous. You know, it. it the, the whole judgmental thing and the whole you know, stereotypical stereotypical thing. It's, it's got to come to an end at some point because truthfully, in my opinion, I, I think that's going to end up being our, our demise. No, no, listen, I agree. And you say it's got to end at some point, but it's not. No, it's, it, it's only it, getting worse. It's only getting worse. It's only getting amplified. Right. Because if you put yourself in the sixties, right. Um, I, I got, I look, I got into a debate with a, a friend of mine, sent me a video or something. And, and I replied being like, Hey man, you know, this is sort of ignorant. And the statistics that you just presented to me are kind of off because if you have to, you have to think about both sides of the coin flipped out on me. Um, you know, I won't go into the logistics of what I said, but it involved, uh, <laughs> you know, bringing up a very sensitive subject, which is white privilege. And a lot of people won't agree with me. A lot of people will, but to me, it's a real thing. All right. And, um, people assuming that I think a certain way is very offensive to me because I, they don't know. Um, but I genuinely, I genuinely feel that white privilege is a real thing because of, shit you can just you can just think about movies 
you know, like boys in the hood or whatever. It doesn't matter. Like you just have to, I mean, people are automatically judged by appearance, no matter what it is, whenever they walk into anything. Okay. Because of things that have happened in the past or things that are current, it's automatically put on them as a person without, without, without going through the process of getting to know. Right. So if I walk into a store or I walk in somewhere or I get pulled over or I get this, that's what to me, that's, that's, that's what white privilege truly is. I get, I, I almost get a pass in a sense, if that makes sense. Right. Mm-hmm. Like just a, a small pass just because of the color of my skin. Now, not to get too deep into that, but you know, walking in the grocery store wearing pride. And if I, I'm going to go back to that place and wear a, a black lives matter shirt, you know, and see what happens. But, and then getting judged by tattoos, it's not the same as tattoos, man. It's not, it's not like me walking into a store with tattoos as a white individual or someone else. That's not white individual that goes into the store. The, the, the judgment put upon us is different. It's mm-hmm. different. It's different. We, to me, white privilege is misunderstood in this country by so many people because of ignorance, because we don't determine if we have it or not. You automatically have it. No matter if you embrace it, utilize it, deny it. It doesn't matter. It's there. Like it's there. It is there. And to my point, nothing has changed since the sixties. The only thing that has changed since the sixties is social media and video mm-hmm. and phones, smartphones. So, so since sixties happen and we get into the eighties and we didn't have the internet yet and social media, but you go into the nineties and you push into the two thousands and we start to get smartphones, take really good pictures, really good video dash cams. Uh, um, uh, what are the, the, uh, police wearing the, 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 oh, best the body cam- cameras, body cameras. Right. Um, and people that are witnessing everything that's happening in the world, like George Floyd, all they gotta do is whip out their smartphone and they've got everything there. Right. Everything that's debatable in this country that's changing the minds of so many people has been because of social media, video cameras, and the technology that has advanced since the sixties and the eighties didn't have. So to me, nothing has fucking changed. Yeah. It's just amplifying. So if you look towards the future, unless somehow humanity changes, it's just going to get worse because technology is always going to get better. It's always going to improve. But humanity, I don't know. It's up to us. I don't know how we're going to improve. Wow. That was, that was very well said. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And, you know, it's scary as, you know, I mean, you, I don't have any kids, but, you, you know, your daughter, you know, what, what's the world going to be like when she grows up and she's our age? Well, um, we are now, you know, what, what is she going to be seeing? Because I have a feeling it's going to be a totally different world. I think it's going to be a totally different world, in, you know, within five years. But, yeah. you know. Look, man, I was getting, when I was a kid and I love new kids on the block. I mean, I'll call myself out for that. I used to I used to be in a fake band with my friends in school and we knew all the dance move, new kids on the block and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> so my guilty pleasure was like grabbing every team bop 
and whatever magazine that were in the grocery stores, whenever we went grocery shopping with my mom, um, you know, and that was it. And that's what I did. But now our kids are, are they're subject to so, something so much different to yeah. where we're arguing religion in schools and so many different things. So the only thing I can do for my daughter and my wife agrees, is just to raise, raise her the best way that I, I see fit, um, which is the exact opposite of what I, how I was raised. Um, but just invest and ingest <laughs> the best moral values as possible. Um, you know, like these questions come up like back in the day, it was the birds and the bees. Okay. That was the hardest thing to answer back in the day when I was a kid, mm-hmm. the hardest thing to answer nowadays as a parent in this day and age is me sitting in a drive through getting my daughter KFC and her going overhearing me say something to my friend. If I'm on the phone or something, be like, Hey, what happened? I think I was talking about a Supreme court judge or something like that. Uh, Ginsburg, who is old and sadly is probably about to pass away at some point. Um, she's like, who, who, who's your friend? I'm like, she's not my friend, honey. She's not my friend, but I, I know of her. Do you have a picture of her? I'm like, of course. Is she the color? Is she the same color as me? Mm. I'd put that on you. How do you answer that question? Mm -hmm. So it's like, Hey, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what, it doesn't matter if she's the same color of you, honey, it doesn't matter. And just make sure that when you ask those questions, because the five-year-old brain is super curious and super naive. Exactly. And, and, Oh, not, not just uh, uh, naive. They're uh, impressionable beyond means. I mean, like beyond means. So, what you say is is not only a hundred percent accurate; it's a hundred percent the truth, and that's how our youth is brought up, right? So, if you have a stereotypical mom or dad, or uh, a racist mom or dad, or uh, any of those things, and they're raising children, I mean, that's that's you're bringing them up in that kind of situation, and that's unfortunate. So, I try to. My heart is, it's like, hey, that's a very sensitive question, right? Make sure that you ask that question to me or mommy and don't ask that question outside of me and mommy. Right. Because that could, that could hurt somebody's feelings. And she gets it. She's five, but she gets it. And I encourage anybody that has kids, they get it more than you will ever know. Because mm-hmm. when you're five, that's when those memories start happening. That's when those uh, life events start to kind of, happen and they remember when they're 20. So, um, anyway, it's not, I'm not trying to preach how to, no, 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 not at all. Not at all. But you know, those are the kind of, you know, the birds and the bees things. My daughter, dude, my daughter thinks that women that get pregnant and have another baby, she calls that marriage. So she, (laughs) so she asked me to marry mommy again, like all the time, Uh because she thinks that means that's when a baby comes. I'm like, I'm already married, man. We're good. Been there, done that, done that, kid. You're here, right? All right. Let's yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So, so, I mean, you know, I mean, I don't know how we got on here, but, you know, that's, that's just my take on stuff. And this is another exhausting topic that we're dealing with on top of COVID, on top of unemployment, on top of people just, you know, 
living paycheck to paycheck or living nothing to nothing and just trying to find stuff to, to survive. And we need to acknowledge that stuff because people are suffering right now. Yeah. And I'm fortunate to be sitting in my house right now in my, in my home studio doing this podcast, knowing that there's people out there on the street right now that used to be uh, a waiter, a waitress, uh, uh, a bartender, um, all those kinds of things. So it, hu- humility has to come into play at some point um, and you have to embrace it and you have to open your eyes to what the fuck is going on around us. And if you can't, you're just not the person I want to be around. Well said. You're on a roll tonight. I mean, I, I, I agree with everything you just said. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I really, I don't know how to follow up on that because you're spot on, you know, um, we are in a tough spot right now. And, you know, that's why, you know, going back over the last month, all the riots and stuff following the, the George Floyd murder, for lack of a better term. I mean, that's what it was. Um, you know, it, it's understandable because, you know, everybody wants to say, oh, well, it's just the Black Lives Matter thing. And, and that's what. It, no, it, it's, no, it's a culmination of that and the oppression that's been going on for yeah, since the 60s. And it's the, mm-hmm. the culmination of feelings from the covid thing and being locked up for the last, you know, three months. And it, it's the economy struggling and. This and that, and the, it's everything that's bubbling up right now. It's, it's, it's like, it's a, all, yeah, it's all brewing like a well. I was about to call well, it a Mr. Coffee. Yeah. I mean, it's just there sitting there percolating. Was, I was just going to say Mrs. M's pot of tea that's about to whistle and just blow her fucking horn. Uh, that's what's happening. And, you know, I have people that are reaching out to me and like trying to debate me on how I feel about certain things. And they'll send me videos of. <laughs> Oh man, this is highly debatable. Fuck it. Um, of you know how many white people were murdered by I'm, I ooh I correct myself white people that were shot by cops. Blah 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 blah. I'm like okay, you just gave me a line of like numbers and statistics, if you will. If all of these certain people that were classified as white, black, other, or even other, other because they didn't know, um, if the if the white one is higher. Can you tell me how many out of those numbers, one, two, three, four, being other, other black, white, how many were actually murdered and proven to be murdered out of those, you know, numbers, whatever. Crickets, right? Yeah. George Floyd in that situation changed the game. Oh, absolutely. Changed the game. It's so funny. We're having this conversation now because... Last week is the first time I've set foot out of my house to go somewhere other than Publix or Costco since the second week of March. And the only reason I went out was because my wife made dinner reservations because it was my birthday. But we got together and had a small group. I mean, there were only a handful of us, so it's not like we had a a big group or anything. But one of the people that was there was a retired cop. And, you know, we were talking and he's like, dude, you know. I'm so glad I am out of it now. He goes, I loved my job, but he goes, I'm going to go as far as to say 90% of all cops are good people. It's the 10% that's ruining it for everybody. And, you know, we, we were talking and comparing stories and he's like, look, I only ever made one bad arrest. And I just looked at him and went, define bad arrest. Exactly. And, and he chuckled, he goes, not like that. 
He goes, I literally just, I arrested the wrong person. That's, 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 that's just a mistake. Well, right. Well, but he's lived with it. And I'm like, well, dude, stuff like that happens. And he's like, no, you don't understand. Like I took him to jail myself and booked him the whole process. I was there for it. When I, I bet went you back the guy's out, still alive. Well, well, here's the kicker. And you're going to laugh. If you can laugh at this, it's kind of funny, but you know, he's like, you know, I went back to talk to the victims and you know, I said, Hey, I just want to let you know, I arrested the guy. And they looked at him and went, no, you didn't. He lives over there. He goes, what? He goes, no, the, the guy that did it lives over there. So he walks over there, talks to the guy, takes a picture and immediately sends it to a sergeant and says, we have to let that other guy go. Can you see how I made this mistake? Mm. And he said they, they could have been brothers. He went back, got the guy out of the cell personally <laughs> and apologized to him. And the guy just looked at him and went, it's all good, man. No worries. I expected uh-huh. it. That's awesome. No, he goes, I expected it. That's. <laughs> and the cop looked at him and went, what? He goes, it's not a slight on you. He goes, you made a mistake. I understand that. But I've been down this road before with other cops that weren't as stand up as you were. Right. Like the whole I expected it thing is disturbing. Is, is th- that's the stigma. Correct. I mean, th- that's 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 the debate, if you will. That's but that's it, the it argument. Was, yeah. But it was just funny. He goes, I, I walked this guy through the process of getting him out. We walk outside. He shakes my hand. He goes. It's all good, homie. And one gets in his car and drives off. <laughs> I'm like, okay, so you saved the best part of that story for that. He's like, well, I had to end it with a, with, with a smile. But, you know, that's the thing. He's like, you know, I expected it. That's yeah. the problem. Yeah, and, it is. And, 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 you know, between that and him saying, I've been down this road before, and the last person wasn't as stand-up as you were. And that last person is part of that 10 percentile, you know, Absolutely. That, that we're we're assuming, right? You know? Yeah. And, and this friend of mine, he's like, I've lived with that. And I said, dude, it was an honest mistake. He goes, yeah, I know it was, but I've still lived with that. It's a tough thing to live with. You know, and, and cops get such a bum rap because most of them are good people. And we have really good friends in the community that care about mental health as much as we do, like Ernie and Joe. Oh, absolutely. And, and they're good people outside of being good police officers and detectives and all that kind of stuff, they're good, genuine people that care. And, but they get wrapped up into the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. And if you don't know what we're talking about, we did an entire episode on the documentary that was on HBO called Ernie and Joe crisis cops. And uh, I've been, we've been in contact with, with Ernie Stevens, one of the cops featured in it. We're going to have him on at some point. Um, he, he's just such a good person, but you know, these two guys are, are kind of taking policing to the next level where they've literally formed their own mental health unit in the San Antonio police department. And, you know, instead of having a guy, you know, a cop pull a gun on somebody, these two literally get out and just start talking to them. And it's, it's, it's literally saving lives. Yeah. Instead of, instead of, uh, Oh, gun shoot. They say, wait, why? Yeah. And they take they take the extra time to see. And, and, and I don't mean that they the, the guns pulled on an officer and they say, hey, wait, can we talk to this person first? And, and that person shoots the officer. It's totally different. Right. It's like when someone has a gun to their head and the other officers are like, we just see gun and that means shoot. Um, these guys are like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me just let me just see what's going on real quick. 
And those are good people, man. And, you know, and I know good officers outside of those guys and it sucks that they get a bad rap right now, but damn it, man, this is the country we live in and these things are happening and they're real. Um, And I understand if, you know, police officers are scared or if they're scared, I appreciate that because that means they're real. If they're not scared, that means they're going to retaliate. And Atlanta happened and this happened and this happened. All you have to do is download the TMZ app and you get every fucking notification for a bad cop. Um, It's 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 unfortunate and disgusting all at the same time because everybody likes to talk about bad and not good. Like like you can do the best that you possibly can in any endeavor you choose. But the second you do bad, that's when people want to talk about it. Like it, it comes down to reviews for websites and businesses. Like how many good reviews? You have? I don't know. How many bad? A lot. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to fucking bitch before they want to praise. Yeah. And that's stupid to me. Well, and that's the whole negative mindset that's going on right now. And it's been here forever, you know, and, and, you know, not to get into the whole news cycle, but, you know, negativity in the news, you know, that's what people want to talk about. You don't want to hear about the positive things going on. But that's just it. Like I, I'm thinking about Ron Burgundy right now. <laughs> uh, and one of the stories he did, and it was a squirrel like surfing in a pool or whatever. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. But guess what? That doesn't get you ratings. It doesn't get you any kind of brownie points for finding that story. That's not juicy. It's not any of that shit. You need to find the stuff that people are repulsed by that want to hear about that want to, you know, dive into more. And guess what? (laughs) There is no opinion on the percentage of this. It is a hundred percent negative. Every notification we get every single day about how many people are diagnosed with, with COVID. Guess what? Is that positive? No, it's negative. How many died? Negative. Brandon, I, I literally had to tell my mother to stop texting me with this because she was obsessing about it. And it's like, look, I get it. It's out there, but there's nothing we can do to control it. Obsessing about it and watching the numbers grow. It's just going to drive you crazy. And God bless you. I love you, but it's driving me up a wall. It's not healthy. It's that's exactly what I said. I, I, you know, I told her, I said, it's just not healthy for anybody. You know, sometimes you've got to put the, turn the news off and you've got to, you know, put down the phone and, and, social media and just be go go read a book go watch a movie with your your partner your spouse your you know whoever your family go watch you know a goddamn cartoon i mean I've, Something. I, 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 sw- I swear to god I've, I've 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 watched uh descendants by disney like maybe like seven or eight times this week and next week will be something different but you know what yeah at least it takes me away from the news yeah. Uh, you know, I pay attention to the real stuff. Like if there's an update and I'm like, okay, that's good to know, but let's get back to Disney world with my daughter, you know, yeah. and watching her do somersaults on the couch. That's, that's what I want to focus on. I don't want to focus on the other bullshit. It's all negative and negative just doesn't belong in anybody's life. It's hard to turn it off though. Once it starts, I mean, and that's, that's what we're running into. You know, if, somebody were to find a way or, or a drug or a, a, a something to turn off that negativity. And again, we'll circle back. This also goes back to the self doubt, you know, turn yes. that negativity off in your head. 
That you, person, I, it, that person would be living comfortably on a private island with no other people around and no need for other people because they'd be richer than hell. No shit. And you bring up a good point. Like you can't escape it because if you ignore the news, all you have to do is get in your car and drive somewhere and go, go to a store. Mm-hmm. It's there. The face mask. They're there. Uh, I swear <laughs> if we could get rid of hand sanitizer after this is done, <laughs> because the scent of it makes me want to profusely vomit like your dog. Oh um, God. No, we haven't even <laughs> talked about that. Oh, Oh, all right. So let's, let's break it down. Uh, we were, <laughs> we're recording this at, uh, eight 30 on Monday night. Uh, we were supposed to be recording at three o'clock, but my dog decided to do her best impression of, uh, Linda Blair and the exorcist. Uh, and she was like, did you get it on video? Uh, I no. Oh my God. Oh man. My poor dog had an allergic reaction to the flea medicine that she was given. <laughs> I am not exaggerating. She threw up 11 times in one hour. No, I, I and this it. dog, this dog, I, we've had, we've had Lexi a year and a half. She was a rescue. She, she's never gotten sick before. After the sixth time, she's looking at me going, dude, what the hell? Can you, can you help me here? Like, she's like, can we go what somewhere? the <laughs> hell has invaded my body? I'm trying to get it out. It does not like me. It's not leaving. It's now set up camp in my stomach and it's making me puke. Make it stop. I know they don't make doggy uh, COVID masks, but can we just go? Because <sighs> this is bad. <laughs> uh, so long story short, we had a guest scheduled that we'll, we'll reschedule down the road. But um, yeah, I ended up at the vet's office today with a dog sicker than hell. And so, yeah, no, I, uh, <laughs> uh, it, it was like, it was like a, uh, it was like a, a volcano. Like it just wasn't stopping. I, I felt so bad for her. But how is she now? Oh, she's drugged up now. She's good. So she's, she's, she's good and happy. And oh yeah. Oh yeah. She, yeah, absolutely. The, she probably just got food poisoning from Chipotle, man. It's all good. <laughs> Taco Bell. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, no, it was, uh, no, we, we, we genuinely think it was an allergic reaction to the flea medicine, but you know, the yeah. doctor gave her a shot of some anti-nausea stuff. And this poor little yeah. dog is just dehydrated because I mean, there was just nothing left when she got done. I mean, she was just, uh, but yeah, no, she's good now. So now that everybody knows that my dog spent the day puking her ass off. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's, I'm not laughing at that. I'm no. Just... Oh dude. <laughs> it got to the point. My wife and I are just like, really? There's more. Hey shit. I've been there. Oh, I didn't, go, I didn't get to go to the vet. I just had to write it out. Suck it up. Buttercup. Yep. But, well, I but, will say if you do get food poisoning, this is a number one point and uh, uh, great advice. Go get yourself a big bottle of purple Pedialyte. Yes. Put that shit in the freezer and midway of getting food poisoning or, or, you know, all that stuff that comes with it. When you're able to keep something down, take down that whole bottle and you will feel like a new human being. There you go. It's a, it's, it's a, it's an industry secret. Words of wisdom from the wise Brandon Thompson. And with that, I think we'll wrap it up. All right. <laughs> Guys, thanks for listening. This show has been all over everywhere. It's been a day. Um, and we, I didn't even get into the shit that has been going on with me. It's not, not worth it at this point. 
Uh, but thank you for the last hour and change of getting my mind off of things. And, uh, you know, we'll get that interview rescheduled. And, you know, it was something pretty cool that you guys are going to dig. So uh, hopefully we'll get that taken care of next week. If not, it'll be in the next couple of weeks for sure. And, uh, you know, in the meantime, guys, stay safe. Try to stay sane in this crazy upside down world. Uh, you know, we were talking about the self-doubt thing. Hit us up on, on social media. You can find him at Brandon Promo, uh, P-R-O-M-O. You can find me at Jerry Petuck, P-E-T-U-C-K. Use the hashtag Get It Out. I'd love to hear some of what you guys are doing to combat self-doubt and, you know, those, those confidence and self-esteem issues. Um, you know, we're all about helping each other out here. And if something works for you, but it might have worked for someone else, please feel free to pass it on. And uh, the one thing that works is always be kind. Absolutely. No doubt. And that's a great way to end it. On that note, be kind and uh, stay safe. And as always, don't forget to hashtag get it out. This is an MJ Morning Show podcast quick fix on Radio Influence. Tell everyone the MJ Morning Show is back. Launched the MJ Morning Show podcast back in October. We started doing them every two weeks, and then we moved to doing new episodes every single week. So you could do us a huge favor and let everybody you know know that the MJ Morning Show is back. If you could spread the word on social media, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, phone calls, email, I mean, wherever, just let everyone know that the MJ Morning Show is back and the best place to see all the episodes listed and to see all the platforms on which you can listen, download, subscribe. Go to MJMorningShow.com. The MJ Morning Show podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, MJMorningShow.com, and RadioInfluence.com. 